0: Welcome everyone to another edition of Candy Talk Podcast. Um, I have with me one of the regulars, and uh, uh, myself from Bane. And today we have a guest, Mark Amaza, with us. Um, and Stanley is also joining us right now. Um, today we, we we have a guest, I said Mark with us. Um, so Hi. thank you, thank you. Mark is saying hi to you guys. Um, right, um, yes, thank you, Stanley, for joining us. Stanley is also a, a regular host on, on this podcast. Um, so we, um, we're just happy to have uh, Mark uh, with us today. Um, Mark, um, so he's a co-finder of um, a, a business consulting firm in Nigeria and also a, a senior communications um, officer for a an advo- advocacy group uh, in Nigeria called Yaga. Um, Mark has been in the um, advocacy space for over, at least that I know personally for the last decade. Um, and he's been specifically in the area of communication, communicating in the political space. Um, and also like, like I said, you know, with his work with uh, um, Mind Capital, Uh, in the business strategy space as well. Um, I'm sure he has, he knows, he does more than that, um, but that's just a snapshot of what um, Mark does. Um, So today we're gonna be speaking to him about um, his work with uh, with his startup uh, Mind Capital and also the amazing work that he does with uh, Yaga um, and yeah, and other surrounding questions basically. Um, so, thank you so much, Mark, for being on this show. Oh, um, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. So, um, I'm gonna just start with um, Mind Capital. So, what, what, what led you to start? Because I know you've, I know you've been, I know you've started Mind Capital for years now. What, what led to the formation of of Mind Capital?
1: Okay, so. Um... Hmm. I'm trying to think of a one particular thing. So let me just maybe I'll, I've always had um, a thing for conceptualizing ideas, right? And always looking at whether business—they're not mostly business ideas, but mostly also about also things around. Um, in, when I think of innovation ideas, I don't just think in business, but it could be around uh, public service, around public, public policy. It's, I'm always asking, how, why, why how can, why can't why this be this way? Why can't this be that way? Why does that have to be this in a particular way or, or, or another? Yeah. And when I was in university, I had this idea I was really chasing, um, trying to raise money for, what was supposed to be a music website, and it, it didn't pan out. But in the process of doing all of that meeting, I was actually writing business plan and meeting potential investors. I was also learning a lot. And in the process, I think my peers in school kind of saw that, okay, um, that I had a lot of knowledge. And I've done, I've done business as as a teenager. I did business with my mom. I did business with myself. I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was picking a lot of experience and knowledge. And so my peers in university started coming to me and bouncing their ideas off me, and know um, get seeking my advice and the close friend just said well you know we can turn this into a business
2: hmm.
1: um so that's basically how we started from so started, i would call it mind capital based on the, yeah, so what uh, you the need? first the first capital you need is your mind is your intellect whenever we talk capital we think money we think what um physical or tangible resources you need to start a business But the first thing you need is what intellectual capital are you bringing? So we started my capital and we started as making it a branding strategy and innovation consulting. Um, Well, It it didn't pan out the way we hoped for because one, we're learning on the job. (laughs) Two, it's really difficult combining the business and schooling in a a public university in Nigeria.
0: Unlike uh, universities in other
1: places where... The system is designed to encourage that bit of you, and uh, your school might even make uh, allowance for you to excel. Here, you don't have that kind of liberty. So, when I'm trying to do a business and be in school, you have to even go to learn to even hide it from your lecturers. Hmm. Because you have, unfortunately, and just since this called candid talk, so let's speak candidly, you have lecturers that will tell you, oh, so you think you can run a bit of why you're in this school. Better go and I've heard students being told that in my present, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, so you have to keep it under wraps. And you know, even the mere of juggling, um, because I, I schooled in Bauchi and a lot of the folks we were pushed meeting or trying to get jobs from were not based in that town. It like involve a lot of travel. So, but in the process we still learn a lot there's a lot of learning we had
0: um but yeah I think I'm overshooting your question so let me just stop here (laughs) yeah no that's that's absolutely fine and so um I'll ask um so it's it's two two sections so we're talking about mind capital now and then we'll move on to Yaga. um so I would say what um how many so, apart from the the challenges you just mentioned now, so when you finish from school, what what challenges have you? What barriers have you seen? And I'm asking this question because I see I see a lot that in in the Nigerian business space. Um, if for example you're not married, that's just one example. Mm. I hear this a lot. From yeah. That if you're not married, automatically people don't take you seriously. That's just one. If you're a young man you joining a business and you go. Give, you know you go and you present proposals or you're trying to speak to people within the nigerian ecosystem nigerian business environment um, apart from the harsh environment that you have in nigeria and um, you have cultural nuances like that so what other issues first of all did you experience the, what i've just told you now that this is after university now did you experience this and then what what are the other issues that you guys experience at mind capital
1: so yeah, so I experienced some of those cultural nuances you mentioned, and and because I was in school for a long time, and I, I was in I was an engineering student for six seven years, and I switched and started over fresh. So I spent over a, over a dozen years to get my degree. It got to a point that if I told people I was in school, nobody believed me. So I don't I just, I just wasn't telling people I was in school. But for example, when I started this business, I was twenty two, and then then I was go for meetings. I'll borrow my mom's car. And when I went with my mom's car, and I went to Taha, without the car, there's always a difference in how I was treated. Um, so that was one. And for, I also remember one time we will a project, that, this was under my capital, this was a, an independent uh, project I was doing, um, consulting project I was doing for a a um, development agency in a northwestern state, somewhere in the north central. And... Um, the person I was, was someone I was going to meet, and I was talking to you on the phone and I kept calling me sir, sir, sir. And I told my friend, I like, go, oh, this guy keeps calling me sir. If he sees me, I'm sure his his his, his um artist told me will change because I was barely 26. And he sees me and he goes, Yeah, I need a and say, Yes, you look young. Like, no, sir, I'm not young. I don't look young. I am young. So it's not just look, I'm actually young. Um, so this, those things, um, here and there, or those I'll meet you and tell you, or they're offering you a job and then trying to low ball, give you a really ridiculous present and tell you, you know, I'm just trying to help you. Like my son, like my younger brother, I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm going to, you're going to be my, I'm just going to do some work for you. There's no relationship. So if you really want to help me, you will pay me my market rates, what I'm asking, what I'm worth. So there's those nuances. Um, when I finished school, so... Along the way, we, my partner and I, because I, I was like, say I'm a co-founder, uh, we, we kind of took a break, sort of like a sabbatical. We had to figure out where our heads are, uh, what we wanted to do, and all of that. So at that point, I went full-time into the development sector and I worked with a, um, a not, well, a non a global campaign, the Nigerian Global campaign, um, working in the power sector, on the off grid power sector specifically. And which is again, one of the things is like, like you said earlier, a lot of things I do and I've had a lot of interest and passions, and it's helped, it's helped me by not keeping, by keeping me busy. And so I've, I've not, I have don't know how to be idle. So all those years in university, when us will go on strike for months or the school will go on break for you no know, time with, without end, those things get me busy. Uh, so I didn't feel the impact as much. Yeah. Um, so even
0: when it's nice, the times I ask for we'll a call off strike, and I'll be like, "No, not here." Yeah. Exactly. I, remember, I know. I know. Exa- I can relate to what you're saying. You know, exactly. like it when I also eventually called up the strike because you know you are you doing other things and, and exactly, and, exactly. Or so. oh, oh, sometimes, and I hope
1: my dad doesn't see this video when school resumes. And I will tell him, "No, school is resuming in two weeks' time," and, and I don't mind paying the literacy fee because I have things doing. So, um, but so one of my other interests, like I said, is around policy. So that um, so I started working with this um, the global the Nigerian mobile campaign called called Power for All, and I was in charge of the strategy in charge of strategic communications. Um, and it was really an exciting period, uh, for me. So to get um in that whole policy space, um, but yes. So I think for another thing, maybe I will say I encountered was in a way um. In seeing the differences in the business environment in, say, a place like um, Abuja hmm. and other places like Lagos. And, and looking at how those um, differences play out in actual Nera and Kobo towns, actual projects you can get. Uh, so, so for example, a image matters a lot more in Abuja than in Lagos. Okay. I would have, in-
0: thought, I would have thought it was the other way around where, you know, Lagos, because... You know you know the whole show business you know and you know that industry literally everyone is trying to appear to be you know but i don't know carry on sorry <clears throat> perhaps just my own
1: perception because in in abuja for example you see a lot more of the let me use the word fake it to make it kind of behavior where folks um because you are literally assessed on how you present yourself so what kind of car you driving, how, how you how you dress in, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, but I think again, because of the kind of business how we were doing, we had companies that are based in Abuja are more willing to bring in someone from Lagos to the work than to engage someone from Abuja. Perhaps on the assumption that, oh, those in Lagos are doing a better job. So there's that. Um, but yes, so there were those cultural nuances you mentioned and on the, those what will cause a ridiculous level, and it's those business environment um, attitudes that you see related from you know um, to where I where work. We because one of the decisions for me I had to make was post graduate from university was where to stay uh, move to Lagos, move to Abuja, where else, you know, stay in Nigeria. I know those questions, uh, and then look at you know, put it into um, perspective the factors, different
0: factors. Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I'll. Um, I'll let um, Stanley or Mondi come in now uh, to ask any questions.
2: Yeah, as, as I was saying that, I was kind of surprised that I'm I kind of surprised that you said uh, people uh, in Abuja care about their image uh, more than Lagos Lagos people. Like I'm kind of surprised. I, I would think think that you know, Lagos people are just, you know, about how their appearance and all of that, both media, image and all of that. Abuja tend to give this, um, I don't care, attitude. But yeah, I can totally uh, seem to be seen in a particular way, uh, rather than how they truly are, especially with Abuja people. So, yeah, people, the way people dress to a meeting also determine how they are treated. So I've lived that experience, you know. So, you know, fair assessment. I would not have thought
1: about it that way before now. Yeah, and I think it's not just even addressing to meetings. It could even be things like, um, so you see, for example, you hear and see of people who um, invest in the kind of vehicles they drive um, with the account balance not reflecting it. Yeah. <laughs> because- <laughs> Perhaps also because a lot of the business in Abuja is, in a way, knowing or knowing is built around governments,
0: yeah. either in
1: contracts or is in government connects to get something. Mm. Um, so you know, so perhaps there's that as a factor. So when you see the way someone be like, okay, this person is good for the job. Um, if you you know if if you know, this just is if you look hungry, and you're like, oh, this time if you give me the contract, you won't there will be no execution. Also, they just want to talk, a big, talk about a big game, you know, the ones that always talk about oh, how much money they have, who they know. But I think also because the fact that people in Lagos think Lagos is that way and not Abuja, and those of us in Abuja think Abuja is that way, not in Lagos, we might just, we might just be looking at it as a Nigerian problem. <laughs>
0: no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, there's that whole, you know, you know, your perception, the perception about you is, is, is more important than, like, we call it in Nigerian parlance, it's a packaging. Packaging exactly, <laughs> and you packaging is everything. You know, and we, we all, yeah, and everything. You know, yeah, the substance itself is more. Um, when did you have any any questions to ask or any comments on 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 this part before we move on to the next?
1: Yeah, so I was gonna ask Mark about, um, yeah, guys. So do you, do you want to tell us like for? Whoever's listening about your initiatives, I think you have a few landmark initiatives, like uh, not too young to, your, to, to run. Am I, am I correct? Yes, um, correct? Watching the vote, power of 18. Yeah. Do you want to give like a high level summary of these initiatives? Okay. Uh, so Yaga, Yaga, Yaga Africa, that's a full name. I was founded in um, 2007 by a group of students at University of Jos, and will start with being, yes, exactly. Wow. <laughs> I started election, election monitoring and trying to get more students and young people involved um, politically active. And from there, as I've grown to this quite formidable civil society organization. In my opinion, I think for our generation is the most defining civil society organization of our generation. Um, so, and beyond just, I've gone beyond where I work now has gone beyond just Working with young people, but working in um, electoral reforms, legislative engagement, uh, you know, um, those, are then around governance and demo, and um, development issues. So we be the ones behind not young to run. Um, so I just I joined Yaga in January, but I've been involved with Yaga in an ad hoc or on um, projects, project capacity um, capacity since 2012. So with not young to run, I was a member. I am still a member of the strategy team. Of the movement and it was quite a success in a sense that you had to do a com- com- constitutional amendment in this country is difficult and it's designed to be difficult um, and we built this youth-led constitutional uh, movement across the country you know state coordinators their teams to the local government levels that engage um, this legislators, uh, public, at all those levels, to get an amendment passed, and that was it was quite, it was quite groundbreaking in many ways. And uh, for me personally, I think it showed um, that if you that via advocacy, you can get things to happen. If you organize right uh, and you push and push without giving up, because not young to run was the third attempt at amending the constitution to reduce the age of eligibility in order to allow for a more young people. To be able to contest for offices. Um, besides, I we'll also have the watching the votes, which is a movement of citizen-led election observation. Um, we deployed it during the 2019 elections. We deployed at the um, Edo Ondo elections last year. Um, we deployed it in Anambra State elections in November. Um, you know, and even try it will also be deploying. We've also de- currently deployed uh, citizen observers to observe the um, CVR, the cons- um, continuous Voter Registration. I like the mentioned the power of eighteen, which is which is a very um, interesting project we are currently doing, where we are using um, well, using in Anambra State, where we are using um, young people between eighteen and twenty five to who came up with ideas of how to inspire people of that age range as theirs, as them to register, especially register for the first time. Because we look at the fact that every year we have at least four million people who turn who become eligible to race as voters. How do we turn that number into actual voter registrations? Um, and we think uh, people of that same age group, with well, a lot of peer-to-peer influence that they can have, getting their age mates to go out and register to vote. So that's what we're doing in Power of 18. So we have ten of those people in um, different local governments in Anambra State, and we we'll give them a grant. Uh, small grants, and they're using that to really engage in. And we already begin to see results of increased voter registration in that age range. Mm. So my next question is, how would you assess government's r- attitude towards what you guys are doing so far? Well, uh, for one, they keep us busy. <laughs> um, I think um, the good thing is over time, in in many quarters, um, the really like with whether it's in the, at the executive or legislative level, the I mean that we have worked with that have come to recognize or oh, what um the, what we bring to the table in terms of enabling engagement between them and the public in terms of able to be a feedback mechanism and 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 say. Um, or, you know, be like a feedback mechanism on what the public thinks about what they're doing in terms of working with them to improve uh, to uh, improve reforms um, processes or legislative reforms. There are many cases where they do the reaching out and say, we want to do this. I want to work with you guys to get this done. Uh, so there's that. Um, at the same time, there are many times where we have to, and I'll be honest, say, yes, we do meet some stumbling blocks, um, especially when it comes to really it was sensitive or weighty issues. So I'll give you an example is such as the um, engagement we did over the electoral act amendment when there were rumors that electronic transmission of results was going to be removed. And we swung into action and began a lot of engagements, um, trying to engage uh, the legislators, senators, House of Rep members to get them to uh, to, ins- to push that don't just, not just electronic transmission of results, But also other aspects of the bill, such as raising campaign finance limits, um, such as the one, um, the clause where um, a a returning officer cannot, um, a returning officer declaring election results under duress doesn't make it invalid, um, because we see these things as being inimical to our democracy. Because, if for example, already we are battling the fact that there's too much influx of money in our elections our elections have almost become like as for sale. And to not increase the campaign finance limits is basically normalizing such a scenario, uh, you know, because we're already dealing with this, we're already in to stop vote buying, we need to, or we don't need to now increase these limits and then basically make our elections to go for the highest bidder. Um, for electronic transfer results, we, we've seen how, because it was tested in parts of Ondo and Edo State during the um, governorship elections, and uh, it's going to really, really increase, uh, improve the credibility and transparency of our elections. So it's, it's on one hand, we have to say, let me use what word, earned our stripes in the kind of work we have done. And, and not just as the Aga, but also many other civil society organizations that work in this space. And we're able to now um, get listening here, but also we also know that sometimes we also have to deal with the fact that many actions are driven by vested interests. Um, so like I said, they,
0: they keep us very busy. <laughs> wow, that's 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 amazing. I mean, I'm just I, I, I would have thought, you know, like I, I, I'm 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 amazed. One thing that you just said now that jumped at me is the fact that they actually reach out to you as well. They actually reach out to you, you know, on some on some issues to work with you guys. I'm 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 really impressed with that because you know, from as an outsider looking in, you know, um, especially when you guys are younger, you know, the attitude of a lot of our political class is to infantilize in, you know, a lot of us young people, you know, you say they're like our children. You are like my children. No, 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 we are citizens asking for you to do your job, you know? So I'm, I'm really surprised that they actually see you guys as equal stakeholders enough for them to reach out to you and actually, um, you know, and actually even ask for you to work together with them. Um, My question will be, what do you think, um, my next question is, what do you think is the, um, because there are two, as somebody who, as a young person, well, I'm not young anymore, you know. Um, but as, You're still young. You're still young. You're just 52. You um, <laughs> <laughs> saying my on, on, on national TV. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I, I'm just saying like for young Nigerians who are disaffected with Nigerians, who, with, with Nigeria cities and are angry and don't even want to engage with the government, what do you think is... Because the thing is, for me, it's not just about engaging the government. I think it's more about... Uh, it's very important for you to be able to demonstrate that you actually have millions of the nigerians like or the young nigerians behind you and you are actually speaking for them right the reason why that is so important is that whether it even if it's in afghanistan there's no one that that doesn't no there's no political power that doesn't respect large following so so my question is that what has been the challenge of, or, or is there, have you you guys actually tried to reach out to this demographic of people between the ages of, I know you said you've done a bit of artwork work in Anambra, but are you, is that something that is part of your overall strategy to reach out to the younger generation so that to get them onto your, to what you're doing? Because what you guys are doing is not, is not the fiery approach of just being angry of course, anger is not a strategy. You know, you're actually yeah. uh, engaging and saying, "Look, listen." And there's, and when you start to engage, there'll be give and take. And a lot of people in Nigeria, a lot of people, whenever they hear that word, give and take, or anytime they hear anything like, um, um, what I put it now, um, the word, the word I'm looking for, um, when you when you negotiate, basically, with the government, with-, with Compromise. The... Sorry? Compromise. Com- that's the word. You know, I don't know whether that- Compromise. Was. I don't know why that would run away from me, but any time people hear the word compromise, in especially in the Nigerian context, what just springs up to your mind is, oh, you've you probably been corrupted, you've been bribed and all of that. So my long rambling is, I'm trying to, have you, a, have you tried, do you guys try to engage, apart from just educating Nigerians on, you know, voters' rights and stuff like that, do you try to engage with Nigerians on the need to A, engage in the political process, B, to, in a nice way, lower expectations from, not lower expectations, but um, temper our idealism, to what we can achieve, what can be achieved, and what we can engage government on, um, and stuff like that. Did there any? Is that, is that? Do you guys do any stuff like that? Like when you're reaching out to people to say, look, it is better for us to get half of what we're looking for than to ask for hundred or nothing, and you know, say if we don't get hundred percent, we're not, we, we don't want anything. Um, yeah. So that's that's my long winded qu- uh, question. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, so yes, yeah, so we do engage with young people on how, on getting being being politically active. And we engage with people as young as in secondary schools. So we have what we call democracy summer camps where we engage young uh, students, secondary school students. And just from the most, um, from the rudimentary knowledge about, okay, of what it means to be in a democracy and being how to be politically active, you know, from there and then all, all the way up. Um, and we don't, beyond just, I will also try to raise, we also, not just try, we're actually succeeding in raising new generations of community organizers and, and activists through our youth organizing school, which we have done eight times. So for eight years, uh, we couldn't do one last year because of the pandemic. So we're doing two this year. And we have even gone beyond and just have people from other Af- African countries be part of it. And uh, many of these guys end up like, you know, they come through the program, and they have passion. Because like you said, anger is not a strategy. Passion to not a strategy. Um, we, won't, we, don't go and tell, we don't tell people to lower their expectations. And but the most important thing is knowing how to organize. So this is what you want to achieve. How do you organize around it? How do you make it happen? Um, how do you deepen your knowledge of the sector? It could be anything. It could be and, and, and I'm sure even, even before I joined Yagafrika, I'm sure. Um, for my social media, I always talk about how, whatever it is you're passionate about, it could just be one thing. It could just be like, um, I want to end open defecation in my community. How do I go about it? How do I deepen my knowledge in nature? How do I need people to meet? How do I engage them? You know, That's kind of um, learning how to organize. So, that's we, so it's sort of like an incubator for community activists called Youth Organizing School. So I've been doing that since 2013. And we're now in 2021, I'll keep going strong. So, and the beautiful thing is that we have seen organizations that have come through our youth organizing school grow to become big enough organizations by themselves as well. Even on that divide, not too young. You're you're, you're muted.
0: Yeah, sorry. Sorry. So you're saying that other organizations have come through and have gone on to. Yes, they
1: have grown. Yeah, so even through our youth, um through the Not Young to Run movement, because we are not uh, not Young to Run movement, our state coordinators they are not Yaga staff, they were individuals, they were organizers at their county level, because we need the local knowledge they had and the network they had brought to bear in how they um how they did advocacy for the bill at their state level. So even that alone, that was a huge. Um, huge way of also improving their advocacy skills, their communication skills, and all the soft skills they need to be better activists and advocates. Wow,
0: that's, that's, that's amazing. Wow, that's so, wow, wow, wow. So, um, what, so, at this point that you are now, what do you think is, again, it's tied to the question I just asked you. So, in terms of, um in terms of engaging the political class on one side and um educating the young people right so which one do you think and I, i'm not trying to i'm not trying to put in terms of priority but i just want to i just want to get a sense of where do you think that yaga would 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 get more result in terms of what is w- what will make Yaga more relevant to our future as a political union? Like, do you think that continuous engagement with the of, obviously you, you have to keep on doing that? My question is, you do you have? I mean, if you were to choose, if you were to prioritize, um, which one would you go for? Would you go more for um, educating the young people, um, than engaging the um, the um, Political
1: class, which one would you? Wow, oh, this is a pretty difficult question because we've never looked at or looked at this as an either or. Right. We always both concurrently, and we've been doing that both concurrently. We've been doing both uh, concurrently. Um, so it's always been we need to engage the political class. We need to engage people in government. We need to engage whether it's in the legislature, whether it's at the executive level, whether are the electoral electoral management bodies. We need to engage them. We also need to engage young pe- people, especially young people, because we also know that the work, um, to use the public phrase, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. We also need more people that will join this work, that are able to carry this forth in many ways, in the ways they can, in the in as granular as they can, in the communities they, they come from. Right. So it's never one or the other, you know? It's, for us, it's, it's the fact that both need to work hand in hand. Um, so, because, for example, if we focus only on engaging um, people in authority, yeah. um, there's a lot of work to be done, and that work is beyond just one organisation. Right. Um, so we now risk carrying on too much. Okay. On the other, and again, on the other and and the thing is, by empowering people to do the work we are doing and to follow in our footsteps and go beyond, we are tapping into the creativity they have. That we might not even see, you might even approach the problem in a different way, but we'll pick a problem that we we'll might not even have seen it as being a problem and find a solution. And at the same time, if we engage only in building up people that will engage the system, we also risk the fact that there are times that things need urgent solutions and we lose losing those opportunities to engage those who can make the solutions happen. So they have to go
0: in tandem right okay so i just have two i I'll I'll have a quick rapid fire question so okay. um um sand you have a question Stanley, okay sandy we seem to be yes happy. i have a
2: question for for mark
0: okay just, just before you ask the question i was just going to ask okay. um i'm no just going to quickly ask that so um uh, this is might be slightly tricky um what in terms of funding how do you Get your funding. Is that something that you're comfortable to talk about, or in the, the
1: organisation? Yeah. How is it funded? Yeah, so we're funded by grants, uh, by from by from donors, um, predominantly from by grants from donors, and uh, we have a lot of partners who are funding our work, um, uh, ranging from um, organisations such as the the DFID, Action Aid, um, NED, National Endowment for Democracy. Um, you know, Ox Oxfam, the number of we have a lot of number of donors and they specific to certain projects. So right. um how donor space works, it's you based on your project that you're doing it, we get we get funded by donors for it. We're a non-profit and a non-governmental organization.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely that's very important because um whoever you know pays the pipe out, they say they, they take the tunes, isn't it? So um, it's very important that you know you that that it's clear that your that your sources of ink, um, funding are not in any way related to government because obviously you know how it is with in the the environment that we operate is very unforgiving. Once there's that tint, that, that's yeah. it. You can never come back from it. All right, that's absolutely yes. amazing. Um, but Sandy, can you can go now? A quick, quick, question. My question is around a uh, voter
2: registration and voter education. Uh, um, Of course, you know, I recently started the online uh, pre-registration to Mm -hmm. lessen the burden of, of, you know, people trying to get, voter register and all of that, uh, get voter card and be able to register during the election. The numbers has you know, sort of been varying. Initially, the first week when, when INEC like released data, it seemed like it was impressive. You know, there were over a million people who registered online and all of that, but it seemed like it has peaked and that is it. Like, it seemed like um, there is, the numbers did not... Sort of the correspondence in terms of number of registrations seemed like it was like huge. Um, When you look at the first week of registration versus the second week of registration, there's a huge gap in terms of the number of people who freshly registered online to the INEC offices to complete their registration seemed to be very low. It was, I think, in the first week it was less than hundred thousand or so, right? And, and I, I was just thinking about how how much of um, public enlightenment, the amount of investment that goes into public enlightenment in the months leading up to election, right? And it seemed like, and this is from where I sit, and you have it from where I sit, see it seemed like those that, that it seemed like the investment that is made in vote, into voter registration, get out to vote campaign seemed to come a little too late. For the amount that we invest into it, it it's done at last minute. It seemed like it's an all fire brigade or oh, we have only registration, and you're trying to get 80 million people to both confirm their registration, to either do registration or relocate their voter registry. All of this happening within two, three months, while we have all of this luxury of time now, and it seems like everywhere is quiet. So I, I just don't understand. I, my, I guess my question is, what's the reasoning behind um, you know that whole last minute push to get everybody to do this? When we have sufficient time now, to do this engagement, why are we not seeing this, this the, the level of um, media engagement, media output uh, that we see in the months leading up to election? Now that we people can comfortably do it at their own leisure, I guess that's my question. Uh, if you get what I mean? Yes,
1: yeah, so, so I, I get what you mean. Uh, unfortunately, I can't speak for INEC. Um, so I can't. I know there's some publicity going on, and there's always room for more. Um, and I also know that organizations like uh, ours, like Young Africa has been a lot of engagement, engaging people, doing, uh, um, putting, uh, by using social media, doing ads on radio and on TV to encourage people to go and register to vote. But like, I agree with you, there's a huge gap in awareness. So for example, a lot of people do not even know yet, still do not know that you can actually pre-register online. And almost every time I tell people that they go like, oh, they didn't know that. So I think there's a lot of room for improvement in terms of how do we increases awareness and get people to go out there and pre-register online, because the process is so much easier than it was before. You pre-register online, you get your printout, you go to a place, you, you know, it's not it's like 2014 or 2018 where you're gonna spend almost a whole day or days upon days to get registered. There's a place you get as, in as quick as five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour at most. So there's a lot of room to, in, to get people to be aware that this process is on, it is easier, you can register online. And also importantly, is that, um, that after you pre-register online to make our time to go to the centers and then complete the physical component of the registration It's also an opportunity for many organizations and I encourage people, individuals, groups, um, associations, organizations to do what they can in, 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 in getting, let me use the word, get out the votes. So for example, because there's now uh, on, uh, on the INEC registration portal, there's an option where you can choose if you're restrained for someone else. So imagine you and your friends um, come together and then set up an online registration point in your neighborhood. And then have people come by and just pre-register. And then you know, get a printout or send a printout to their emails. And they go forward and go and get this done. Because unfortunately, computer internet literacy is still a challenge. So, and if, for example, Yaga Africa has done that in our, where our office located, we have got certain points in the neighborhood and we've set up a point and we've had a lot of people come by and we've registered them, And in so doing, we're increasing the chance of they going to go and get registered. It might not even be fresh registration, might be to transfer their PVC. It could be to correct certain details in their PVC or to apply for a lost PVC. So, you know, so those are things that, you know, you can do it, you know, religious bodies in your church, in your mosque, um, wh- wh- wherever you worship, you know, you can go to your market around. There are many ways you ca- uh, we can all pitch in to get this done, to make this um, increase in number of people that go out to register. But yes, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in increasing awareness to let people know that this process is on and it's simpler than
0: before. Fantastic. Um. You know, we have we could sit down here all night and talk about your work with Yaga. And I um I'll like you to promise that if we invite you to come back again, you'll come back because we we haven't completed this. Con- we haven't even started to scratch this conversation yet. Um <laughs> and I'm serious because there are so many there's so many questions in my head, but um we we unfortunately are a bit you know um tight for time today to this evening. I don't want to keep you too long on a Sunday evening as well. Mm-hmm. So um I would like, I would honestly like to um ask that you come back again. Um and because you know there's a lot, like I said, you know, there, there are a lot of questions in my head, but if we start talking about them, we you won't end you won't end tonight. Um but yeah, but there, there are questions, there are two questions now we normally ask before we um round up the um podcast. And we ask every guest. So one is in any order, any no particular order you can answer them. One is what is the kindest thing that someone has ever done for you that's and then the second one is your president today mark amaza president mark amaza you become president of nigeria today what is the one central policy plank that you'll be that you're gonna that's gonna be your administration's focus in any other?
2: Uh, okay,
1: let me start with the present one because that one I can answer anytime if I wake up from sleep. Not like I'm planning to be present tomorrow, but <laughs> uh, I think for me, for me, I think one would be the if I'm president of Nigeria today, what would be the central plank of what I want, what of my administration will be? Not to use as a buzzword. I will not say restructuring, but it could mean anything. I'll say we're well, going to need to devolve a lot of power from the centre to the states. And and my reason is simply because the way our structure, country is structured currently allows for a lot of inefficiency, for a lot of dead weight. And not just at the at the state level, but also at the federal government, federal level. And there's no the states are not incentivized enough to do what they need to get done. Um, so I think so is is also the reason why you know we have this almost do a affair to get into the power center. So for me that decentralization and devolving of powers or devolution of powers is going to be central to what I, I will do. Kindness thing anyone has ever done for me. Wow, this is a tough one. Because again, not because I, not for lack, but for an abundance of kindness I've received from people. Yeah. Um, Something is so hard to pick. Which one can I say really stands out? <laughs> I, you know, in memory, I will not remember the things that have come closest. Man, there's, there's so many. So I'll just give a risk. Okay, I'll say when I was getting married in January, I had a lot of people I've never met. I didn't even interact with so much. They were so excited and told me they've been praying for me. And those that sent me financial contributions to my wedding. And it was all unexpected because um, we, I didn't know them that well. Yeah. But they were so excited and so, you know. So encouraging, so generous. It's, I was I was overwhelmed by a lot of the kindness, and it kind of made me realize, like for everything I do, there are people who are out there watching, and I must have made um an impact on them or impression, and kind of kind of keeps me like in pers- everything I do in perspective. So for that, it's not one thing. I think just that period had a lot of that, and it's 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 never for- I've never
0: has never left me. I don't think it ever will. Wow. Wow! Wow! I know. I, I can. I can. I can imagine how that. You know, it's really when kindness from people you don't know or you don't know on a personal level is usually like, you don't even know how to. You don't know how to out where to put it because it's not. They're not looking for anything. They're not asking for anything. They just. They're just doing it because, you know, of of what they see, what they admire in you, and you know. Yeah. So you know, you begin yeah. to you begin to think, like, what, you know, what they're seeing me, you know, and things like that. But yeah, that's, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Mark, for thank you very um, much. Coming, coming on the show. And please, when we say come again, please don't say no. <laughs> like I said.
1: Uh, I'll try not to. Let me not bind myself into commitment. In
0: but I always, I always make time for you guys. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, thank you yeah. so much. Um, But again, you know, um, we're speaking today to Mark, um, and I'm sure you guys have gotten a little bit of education on how on how Nigeria works and what uh, he's doing at Yaga and uh, with his um, you know his private uh, enterprise as well, what his experience of being you know cultural nuances in Nigeria, uh, doing business in Nigeria um, with Mind Capital, um, which I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. And um, thank you so much for um, being coming to us. Uh, thank you so much, D, uh, Stan. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mondayu, for um hosting as usual um thank you so much guys um and that would be bye bye for me and then um, bye bye for the rest of the crew cheers guys yes thank you mark